get the feeling <clears throat> that the Lord wants to set some people free this morning. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, well, this is week four of a series uh, uh, called uh, Overwhelmed, and um, I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you would. We're going to read a passage of Scripture. We're going to learn how to apply it to our life this week uh, so that we win. And I want you to hear the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the ancient city of Colossae. We know the book as the letter he wrote in the New Testament called Colossians. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. Uh, so as God's chosen people, turn to your neighbor and say, God picked me. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. Well, we're talking about being overwhelmed. We talked about uh, anxiety, being overwhelmed by anxiety. Um, we talked about being overwhelmed by your past. Uh, last week, we talked about being overwhelmed by fear and living in a box defined by your fears. And uh, today, we're going to talk about when you've been hurt in a relationship and you're overwhelmed. I don't, I don't know if you can relate to those things. I can. I have, at points in my life, been overwhelmed by every single one of those things. But here's the reality, and you know this is true, uh, hurt happens, doesn't it? Now, uh, you might think uh, that Someone like me, I'm a, I work as a pastor, and you might go, well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of immune to that, right? You're, you, don't, you don't get hurt. I, I, people have this weird thing that they put on pastors that we have this super secret spiritual mojo that other people don't have. And uh, people will ask me to pray, and I love to pray for people. I pray, pray for anybody, but it's like they can't pray sometimes, and they feel like you can, and God hears your prayers and not mine. And I always try to go, no, no, no we're all the same. I put my pants on just like you do. Um, I don't leap, leap into them from the third story. I mean, I was like, I'd be weird if I did. Uh, and, and we get hurt too. Uh, I think people think that, uh, you know, if you're a pastor, you know, you, you have this rhinoceros hide, and so you can say whatever you want, and it just rolls right off. And that's not true. Uh, I've been hurt plenty of times by things people have done and said. I, I remember uh, the very first place that I was uh, serving on staff. I was a youth pastor and, and um, had this scenario. I, I, to this day, I don't exactly know what happened. And maybe you have some hurts like that. Uh, but a scenario happened with this kind of squirrely eighth grade girl, being a squirrely eighth grade girl and on a trip. And I tried to deal with the, the situation that had happened and just, you know, normal that age stuff. And I brought, came back, talked to the mom about it. And the mom's like, oh, yeah, my daughter's this, my daughter's that. I get it. Yeah, thank you. And for some reason turned and all of a sudden hated me and despised me and said all kinds of things about me. And I, I, to this day, I'm still like, what happened? And, and it was a kind of a, a long story, but I left that place on staff, and um, she knew I was getting ready to leave, and we kind of did what we do, you know, here, we greet people and say hi, and I'd go over and shake people, and I still remember to this day, right, because you remember her like this too. I went over to her, and I put my hand out to shake her hand, and she had her arms like this. She saw me coming, and she had her arm. I still remember. Her arms are crossed. She did this, little head number right there. And she said, shouldn't it be goodbye? I'm like, what? Ice cold in here? I mean, it's, it was crazy. It hurt. It hurt. I can still remember it today. 
Uh, and, and not only that, not only do pastors get hurt, we sometimes hurt. I, I call it the, the tornado of expectation. Uh, sometimes people will take who they, the person they perceive as a spiritual leader and they'll put these expectations that that person should know what they think. Or, and so sometimes I won't say the right thing or I'll say the wrong thing and not mean it. And, and this is usually how hurt happens. Almost always it's unintentional. Uh, but in the tornado of expectation, you know how a tornado works? All these winds whip around and then all this debris hurts people. That's why they tell you to stay away from a tornado, because the debris. And so off of that tornado of expectation, this board comes and hits somebody, and then they go, oh, the church hurt me. Uh, but you're the same, right? We're the same, because we're human beings. You've been hurt. Uh, you've hurt people. And then, then in the middle of that, you read something like this that the Apostle Paul wrote us that sounds absolutely impossible. He's, he's saying, like, in the middle of being hurt by somebody, I'm supposed to do things like show them compassion and be gentle with them and be patient with them and be kind to them. I want to punch them. Why would I do, why would I do those things to them? And then Paul digs it in deeper. He's like, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. I mean, that seems impossible, doesn't it? If you were to tell me about your hurt, you would tell me the story and you would go, you don't know what happened. You don't know how it hurt, and it is impossible. And you know what? I would honestly agree with you on one level. Because the way that we currently are, with the way that we currently think, with the damage that we have not found a way to heal, you're right. It's impossible to do those things. Unless you could find some healing. Uh, for a number of years, it was a, a guy, part of our church, his name was Marty O'Melia. Some of you remember Marty. He died uh, a couple years ago of cancer. He's a big, burly guy, had this big um, handlebar, thick mustache, and he was kind of intimidating, and, uh, but he would just tell you exactly what he thought. Um, and uh, I had the privilege of doing his funeral. He worked with our, uh, worked with our kids. He probably should have never worked with kids uh, <laughs> if you knew him, <laughs> but he did. His heart was right. And we would go out to eat sometimes, and, and he, he was this kind of guy you didn't expect this uh, profound insight to come out of, but it would. And I remember we were talking, I don't remember how we got on the subject of being hurt, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know what? He said, hurt is like a pie. Anger is the crust. Hurt is the filling. Isn't that true? So I want to help you this morning. I want to help you uh, get past the hurt. Uh, we live enough in the hurt, and we live enough in the pain, and I want to help you get past that. And so here's what I want to do. I want to I show you the four parts uh, that make up hurt, and it also corresponds to four things that you're going to have to do. If you're going to get past the hurt, four things that you're going to have to do with God's help. And so I'm going to use this illustration kind of of a, of a heart, and um, for those of you who are waiting for the church to bring flannel graph back, some of you don't know idea what I'm talking about, but from the 1980s, I brought flannel graph back. You're welcome. And uh, here it is. And this is a heart. This is an anatomically correct heart. So when you go, that's not a heart. Yes, it is. That's what you, your heart is not like the Valentine heart, for those of you that I just ruined your whole, what? It's not? Um, looks different than that, right? But there's, if you know this about your heart, your heart has four, uh, four chambers. And I'm just going to kind of use that as a, an illustration of the four different components of finding healing uh, for your heart. And here's, here's the first thing, if you're going to take a step toward healing, the, the first thing that you're going to have to do. Uh, you're going to have to admit that something happened, and you're going to have to go back. Um, you're going to have to go back. And when you go back, what you're doing is you are naming what happened so that you can deal with the source of the problem 
and stop trying to fix the symptoms of the problem. Do, do, you, understand, do you understand what I'm saying by that? You got to go back uh, in order to do that. And now some people resist this and they go, well, why, why do you go back? And, and when someone says that, what they're doing is they're believing a lie. And the lie that you and I are taught is, you know, time heals all wounds. No. Sometimes time just reminds you of how much pain you felt back then. And it makes it worse. Time's not a magical thing that sprinkles fairy dust over your hurt. Doesn't do it. You have to go back and you have to name what happened. Now, Tim's not here. Uh, He's with his son, was playing baseball this week, so they went and and saw him play baseball. So I can, um, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but I kind of am. But it's in a good way and I love him, okay? So just tell you the story. You can, he knows, he's watching this right now. Hi, Tim. Uh, He's watching this right now. Um, So, I, I, I don't know anything about cars. I know you put a key in. I know you put gas in, and then things happen. Beyond that, I am really pretty clueless. I just know you do something, and other things happen, and, and I, here, fix the problem. And I had this grinding noise on my brakes, and I knew that I know enough to know that you need brake pads, and you have to replace them every so often. And so Tim knows a lot about cars and repairs cars, and so I was like, hey, Tim, can you help me out? And so he did. We, I went and bought the brake pads and took it to his house and put them on. Problem solved. Uh, until about two or three weeks later, I heard a <laughs> when I would turn corners, and I thought, you're not, you're not, that's not supposed to happen. I told Tim about it, and he's like, well, I'll come back over, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. So I drive back over, take the wheels off, and we look, and what had happened is there's some bolt that attaches, and one of the bolts had been left out, unintentionally, but it had been left out. And a little piece of the brake pad had slipped down, was making this grinding sound. Here's, here's the illustration, okay? You have a grinding thing happening in your life right now. And what many of us do is we look around us for what immediately happened. But that grinding noise started way back over here. And if you don't go back to the original thing, then you can't deal with the actual problem and you never actually deal with the source. You have to go back and find the bolt that was unintentionally left out if you're going to find any kind of healing. Now, now again, when you go back to that hurt, it may have been intentional. I, what I have found is that most hurt is unintentional. There is some intentional hurt that happens. But either way, if you don't find out what the bolt was, you feel pain. And, and so what happens is we're taught to ignore the grinding noise. Now, and, and very honestly, um, if you've ever read the statistics on divorce, when someone remarries for a second, a third, or a fourth time, or more than that, the number, the statistic uh, of success just plummets, just falls off a cliff. The reason it falls off a cliff is exactly what I'm talking about right now because the person in their third marriage looks at the person they're married to and they say, you are my problem. No. The problem is way back over here. And so that person tries to externalize the problem and go, it's you and it's you and it's you. And you have to go back and you have to find the source of the problem so that you can treat the source of the problem. This is honestly one of the reasons that I'm a Christian is because Jesus goes back to the source of the problem, the source of our pain, the source of our hurt, and heals that. So if you're going to heal, find healing for the hurts that you've been through, you're going to have to go back. No option. Uh, second thing you've got to do in our flannel graph heart here 
is you've got to deal with the pain in you. This is, this is what I mean. It's really important. It's going to sound like, and that doesn't mean anything, but this is going to sound like that, but, but this is really important. You have to find the pain, and you have to just be willing to say, that hurts. Now, especially as guys, we are taught that you're not supposed to be hurt by emotional stuff. In fact, we deny that it hurt, and we learn really dumb idiotic, stupid things like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is crap. (laughs) It is not true. I don't know what's gained by not saying that hurt. I I promise you, if you can just go back to the pain, find it, and just say out loud, especially as a guy, sometimes women don't do this either, just a guy and say, that hurt you'll find yourself set free. Because if I took and I dropped an engine block on your toe, you would say, that hurt. It wouldn't be dumb to say that hurt, right? It's actually smart to say, hey, that hurts. So what you have to do when you, when you begin to work on healing the pain in you, um, what you have to do is you, you have to grieve. And you have to grieve what was. You have to go back. Maybe the person intentionally hurt you. And you have to grieve that. Maybe the person unintentionally hurt you, and, and you, when you go back to the pain, you find out that there was something unintentional, and you misunderstood something, and you heard it through your own filter. And when you find that out, you grieve. You go, oh, if I had just realized that back then, I wouldn't have gone through all this pain. And so you have to grieve what wasn't. But you have to grieve. And I, what I, here's, again, what I love about being Christians, we have so many resources for this. So when you go to the Old Testament, and you go to Psalms, the book of Psalms is the prayers of God's people. And there are all these Psalms that express sorrow and pain and help us grieve. Do you know that when Jesus was on the cross, do you know what he said? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know where that comes from? He, did, he didn't make that up. He's quoting Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? There's a whole book in the Old Testament, Lamentations, like the the laments and the pains that I feel. It gives me incredible comfort to realize that when Jesus knew he was going to the cross, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes to his disciples, and he says this. Now, we completely gloss over this, what Jesus is saying here. But he says, pray with me, because my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. I, I feel like I'm going to die. Have you ever hurt, hurt that bad? You think, I feel I can't take another ounce of this or I'm going to die. I mean, Jesus said that. Do you understand that he's saying, he's grieving right there. He's hurting. He's admitting the pain. He's saying that that hurts. And what grief does is it makes your heart tender. Um, I've followed uh, this guy for a, a number of years. His name's Father Greg. Father Greg's a, a Catholic priest out in L.A. And he's been a priest in the same, uh, the same parish, same neighborhood for about 30 years. It's, when he was sent there, it was the poorest parish and poorest area of the city and the worst area of the cities in East L.A. Um, where there's nothing but gangs and violence and shootings and you just don't go there. And so Father Greg moves into this neighborhood and takes over this church, the pastor of this church. 
and he had nobody to work with. He had no money. He had nobody with any skills. He just had gangbangers. And talk about guys who are taught to be tough and to show no weakness. Um, that's, who he, that's who he works with. And um, what he did, because he said, you know, i got to do something about this, is he started a company, um, and he called it Homeboy Industries. Isn't that the coolest name? And Homeboy Industries employs gang members, and he even takes gangs from rival gangs and puts them in, on the job together. And they have this line, uh, jobs, not jail. And, and now they are the largest gang intervention program in the United States. And he's, he's created this culture where people that are tough as nails, find healing for the hurts that have happened in their life. And, and this, is, this is this beautiful thing that he says. Remember, tough, tough dudes who don't admit any pain, don't say that they're hurt, they shoot somebody who hurts them. He said, the way we did that, so counterintuitive, he said, we created a culture of radical tenderness. See, when you grieve, makes your heart tender. That's why I love Jesus, because th- what Paul says, he says, you're chosen by God. You're dearly loved. And Father Greg has this saying that he tells people when, when they, they get into the program. He says, listen, pain that you do not transform, you transmit. In other words, if you don't do something about the pain, if you don't feel the pain, you will pass the pain on. It's why you've heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. You know people in your life who just go around throwing elbows and fists, right? Everywhere they go, literally and metaphorically. The reason they do that is they have not transformed their pain, and so they just transmit it. And if you're going to get past the past, then you've got to figure out how to heal the pain in you. So here's, uh, here's the third thing in our flannel graph heart here. Um, you've got to figure out how to deal with the pain in the relationship. What am I going to do about that? What Paul says that we're to do is that we're to forgive the person. Uh, now, let me make sure that, that we all understand what forgiveness isn't, because sometimes when people hear forgiveness, they go, uh, I'm not going to forgive. Because what they think forgiveness is, they think forgiveness means saying that what happened was okay. Like you're endorsing it. Like say you were abused, and if you forgive the abuser, then you're endorsing their abuse. No, 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 that's not forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is not going back and saying that you're going to trust the person again. You can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you have to trust them, because maybe they're not able to be trusted at this point in their life. Uh, It's not saying that everything is like it was. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing the hold the person has on you. Let me say that to you again. Forgiveness is releasing the hold the person has on you. Because here's what we want to do, right? Uh, We want to make people pay. And so we, we hold unforgiveness toward them because we think by doing that, that we're making them pay. You know, that we're going we're gonna to tell them or not tell them what we feel, and we're going to hold it against them. And so what we are, in effect, doing is we are taking the poison of unforgiveness, and we are, uh, we are holding it against them. Hang on, i got to get this ready so that I don't get poison on myself. I'm all ready here. Hang on here. Here we go. And so what we want to do is we want to make them hurt. And so we think by not forgiving them, 
that we're making them hurt. You know, like, you know, like we're pumping the thing, and then we're spray, our unforgiveness sprays something on them because we want them to pay. Pay, Dad. Pay, Mom. Pay, boss. Pay, business, former business partner. Pay, neighbor. Pay. You want them to pay. And so you think by holding the unforgiveness that you're forcing them to pay. But here's, here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die, right? It's like, oh, I'll take the poison and... Mmm. Delicious poison. We drink it and then we say, pay, Dad. Pay, Mom. Pay, worker, co-worker who... Sh- Screwed me over? Pay! Let me, let me just ask you a question. This is apple juice, by the way. <laughs> He's going to die. Let me ask you a question. Who's hurt when you drink poison? Yeah. Just you. What forgiveness does is it sets you free. So that's why Paul says, forgive as, as the Lord forgave you. With that resource, then you can extend that forgiveness to somebody else. Here, here's the fourth thing in our anatomically correct heart here. is uh, you've got to go forward. So you go back and you find the source. And then you say, that hurt. And then you go, okay, i got to deal with the fact that I'm drinking poison waiting for, the, for them to die, and that's not working. So I'm going to have to find a way to forgive them, and I may have to release them again and again. But then i got to go forward. i got to move on with my life. The gold standard uh, from Jesus on how to deal with pain is found in Matthew chapter 18. I would encourage you to read it sometime this week, maybe later today, when Jesus talks about when someone's hurt us, what we need to do. And if you follow it, it's a brilliant way to deal with conflict. Maybe you've never heard it before, but he gives us three things that we do when when there's conflict. He says the first thing that we do is when someone sins against us, when someone hurts us, Jesus says, go to the person so that you can win them over. In other words, go to them and say, hey, this thing happened, and uh, I'm not sure why you did that, but that hurt, and I, needed, I need to make this right, and, and I just wanted to let you know. Jesus doesn't say, when your brother or sister sins against you, post about it on Facebook. <laughs> when your brother or sister sins against you, send a text message to your best friend and tell them how awful that person is. When your brother or sister sins against you, Go to your other co-workers and tell them what a jerk that guy is. He says, go to that person. And then Jesus says, sometimes that doesn't work because we're, we're too worked up or they're too worked up. And, and so take, he says, two or three witnesses. Now that's not, he's not saying people that are on your side that you've told the whole story to. And oh yeah, they're a total jerk. And they go with you as a posse with pickaxes and torches. To, that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's like find some wise people who are people of peace and reconciliation that would go with you and, and objectively help you work through it. And like, hey, this is, I know we tried to talk and um, 
this person agreed to come and just kind of listen and help us maybe see this, because I really want this to be okay. And I'm, for what I've done, I'm so sorry, and I just love to move forward. And Jesus says sometimes even that doesn't work. And so then, then he says, take it to the, the church. In other words, take it to some leaders. And you go to someone else and you go, oh, I've tried this and I've tried this and, and this is just not working. And so I want to sit down and have a conversation. And could you help us maybe mediate a reconciliation? And this, this enables you to begin to go forward in your relationship so you're not stuck in the past. Now, here's what I found. Um, I found that often we might do one or two of these things or maybe three of them. But what happens when you don't do them is you have a hole in your heart. And here's what I know about holes or vacuums is that we try to fill it with something. If you have not done a part of this dealing with your hurt, do you know you're going to try and fill it with something? This might be why you can't control your eating. This might be why when you want to feel better, you go and you go shopping. Let's do retail therapy. You know, <laughs> this might be why you're doing any number of things because you're trying to fill a void that God wants to heal. Now, I get that this is so hard, and you're like, well, how do I, what do I do? And so I thought it would be great if, you had an, if we had an example that we could look at. And so I invited my friend Scott Jones uh, here today, and we're, we're going to talk, we're going to have a little conversation about a hurt that he and I have been through, and, and I want you to kind of get a real-time example of um, working through that, and I want to use these, these principles as a way to talk about um, getting past hurt. So can you welcome uh, Scott Jones here? So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do these four things here. So we're gonna go back. Uh, Scott uh, is from Portage. Uh, you met Christ in this church yeah. when you were a teenager, yeah. right? I'm sitting on the balcony, one of those balconies up there, right? Yeah. And um, then uh, later in life, Scott was on staff here, left to go be on staff at a church in Kansas City, and then just prior to me coming here as, as uh, lead pastor, Scott was on staff here, and. Um, when I came, this is a long story, uh, we were financially hurting really badly and were not going to make it. And I had to make an incredibly difficult decision and I had to lay off some staff. And Scott was one of the staff that I had to lay off. Um, so that's going back. And that created pain in you. Am I right in saying yeah, that? To <laughs> just say a the teeny least. bit? Just, just a little a, bit? Just a smidge. Just a smidge. You know, it was... There was because the, the the reason it it hurt so bad was because of what you said at the beginning yeah. is that it was I I I gave my life to Jesus here. I was an 18 year old kid. I wasn't raised in the church, and yeah. so there was this radical change. And yeah. then this church was was part of me. And then I was called into the ministry. Now I got purpose in my life, yeah. and and uh, I then did go to Kansas City, and then came back and was here and felt like yes, I'm back in my hometown, and God has mm -hmm. called me back into my home church. What a great blessing. All of that was, was going on. But then when the decision was made to let me go, yeah. um, it wasn't just that I lost a job. Yeah. Um, my identity was tied up into this place. My mm. friends were tied up into this place. My history was tied up into this place. I was raising my kids you know, in, mm -hmm. the, in the church here. And so when I was let go, I was, I was d devastated. 
yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just you know hurt right, or I, like I, disappointed about the job. You know? I remember you telling me at the time that it f you said it felt like a divorce. Everything yeah. I could possibly imagine what a divorce would feel like, that's kind yeah. of what it would have felt like. Because I'd be in a, a grocery store, a gas station, I'd bump into somebody from church, and we were friends, you know. And then now yeah. we look at each other, and you could just see it in their face, like, uh oh, are we yeah. still friends? Can we still be friends? Can, you, can I go to church still? Is that okay if I still go to church? Maybe if I go to church, you don't yeah. go to church. It was just this weird thing, and it was, it was really, it was. It felt like every relationship I had was in some ways severed or affected so, by that. So there was, there was. A lot of grieving. Yes. That you had to do about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, what you said about uh, what what Marty said yeah. about uh, you know the anger being being the crust, crust of the pie yeah. and the, and, the, and the hurt in the inside. I had to get through the anger mm -hmm. and uh, and it was very you know just kind of immature in 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 surface, but it was part of that process of mm -hmm. going back and then recognizing recognizing uh, you know that it w it's not just something you just go and punch something and it's going to get better. I was yeah. I was. I was deeper. So that was kind yeah. of the, the yeah. going back. And that was what, what was hurting in me wasn't, was that I had, to, I had to stop and look and say, wait a minute, okay, um, what did I do wrong? You know, and, and, and truthfully, there were things. There, there, was, there was stuff that, that, God, that God showed me. Yeah. And, um, and I had to grieve that and then say, okay, um, God, where do I need to be forgiven? Where do I need to learn? And all of this happens over a a period of time, not yeah. just like that. Right, right. Yeah. And then, then the whole process of, of the pain in the relationship. I mean, how did you, uh, how did you get to where you could forgive what you were feeling and the, the angst you had said? And you, I know you said in the first service, um, but you said, you know, there were so many parts of it that you yeah. were like this and this happened and that happened. It really is a great question yeah. because on, on one hand, we could, this would be a lot simpler if this was just you and me. This was a you yeah. and me thing. You didn't like me, whatever. We yeah. couldn't work well together and, and, yeah. and a decision was made. But it wasn't that. It was, there was a lot of parts of it. There was a district superintendent involved, the people I work with on staff. There, were, there was just a lot of different, different people. Hmm. And, to, and to ask, you know, kind of how did, how did that how did, was I able to forgive that? Part of it was writing letters, hmm. and uh, and some of that was was I really poured my heart out in there and said I'm sorry. Most of those letters hmm. would say I'm sorry. I I I caused this. I want you to forgive me. And then here's did, where I feel like you did you mail all of those letters? Did you send all those letters? The or some of them just you wrote them and then that's a it's a it's a really insightful uh, thought because many of them I wrote without intending to send and. Hmm. and and, or by the it, time it, helped, it was done, it helped you get through. Correct. The, by yeah. the time that letter was done, I'm like, this is this is this yeah. is more. And I just throw it away or or store it away, but never sent it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I've had people say, and someone said it to me in this in the last year, and this was looking back, this was five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, someone in the last six months said to me about this whole scenario. They said, "Well, I, I heard that you and Scott couldn't even be in the same room together, huh. and yeah. they didn't know our relationship yeah. and how we meet and talk." Right. And, and but how how did you get to where you're now on the other side of this yeah. and you're in a different place? Do you feel like you've gotten gotten past all of the stuff? That I, needs to be I, I, could, I I think you know I can honestly say God I have been healed you know and, and kind yeah. of kind of and have forgiven this and what you did with the, with the poison thing is is yeah. is true is that is is that recognizing that me holding all that anger and, and bitterness inside and why I was right and everybody else in the world was wrong wasn't a healthy way of going through this. And yeah. then to, you and I getting together was incredibly, was incredibly helpful. And, and what mm -hmm. I've always appreciated about you was that 
um, even though you were the guy that fired me, laid me off. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, it felt like firing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, didn't it? Yep. yep. What's that? And this is, but this is this is the truth. You always re retreated me with a with a sense of uh, of respect, and and more than that, even it was compassion. And it wasn't just that you chose the right words because you're a, you're a smart guy and you choose the right word. It wasn't that. You were you were genuinely compassionate towards me and towards the situation, and uh, and I have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for you, and, and always have. But as we've gotten together, and it's mm -hmm. amazing to me that it's been five years. Yeah. Um, uh, that we have worked through it relationally, and I feel yeah. like we're, you know, it's it's a fruitful, yeah. good relationship. I feel like you're my friend, yeah. right. and uh, right. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, and then, then on the, the going forward thing, um, I, I remember at the time people had the same kind of, you know, everybody was kind of ah. about the whole thing, and people would say to me, well, what? that's not fair. This shouldn't happen, and that shouldn't happen, and why didn't that happen, and those people do, and, and uh, what I tried to focus on and what I would try to say to people is, okay, listen, because Scott pastors uh, South Haven Church of the Nazarene. They, they're down off of 450, a few miles away. And uh, that's where they meet. And I said, you know, that was a church that was going to die. I mean, it was like a handful of people. Yeah. They were going to die. Yeah. And I said, you know, if we can keep our eyes looking to the future, then in 10 years, there can be a vibrant church with yeah. people who love Jesus and they're making disciples and they're, they're serving their city and their town. Yeah. And we'll still be us doing the same thing, and it'll be a kingdom win yep. in the end. That was that was my perspective yep. on it, and I feel like we're down that road. I think so I feel too. Like we're down that road. Here's, which is a really amazing, yeah. and it's amazing that when we put these principles that you talked about, all four of these parts, and one of the, the the most important parts to me was that when you took one of those away and say, okay, what do you what do you feel fill this with? For yeah. me, it would be anger and sure. or sitting in my own mind and and saying why I'm right and, and everybody yeah. else is, is wrong. That whole thing. But once it's all put together, now we look back on this and we yeah. have some perspective. South Haven Church is, is is doing is doing good and things are great here and it's, it is a kingdom win for Northwest Indiana and and it's really exciting to look now at. Yeah. 10 or 15 years and say, hey, what, yeah. what could God do through all of this? But if one of those parts would have left out, yeah. it, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. But in this whole process, this is not an overnight. Oh, my goodness. Because some people think when you talk about all this stuff that it's like, I got to do this today, and it's got to yeah. be fixed today. But yeah. That's not the case, right? I this, could, this I is think, a, man, I think looking back on it, it was probably two, two to three years of, mm. of, I mean, actually thinking about it yeah. most days and feeling it most days and praying about it most days and, yeah. and I don't want to say this in front of you, crying sometimes, yeah. once in a yeah. once, but, uh, <laughs> you know, crying about this yeah. was an active process for a couple of years. Yeah. And then now, here's the other part of it that's really, really good. Um, it is, in the, it is in, the, in the rear view now, and I mm. know I'm a healthier guy. I know that I'm more, um, that I'm closer to, to Christ, that, I, that I, sure. I, I understand the, the walk with him a little better than I have. And, and in some ways, in many, many ways, I'm thankful mm. for it all. And I'm thankful mm. that you didn't give up on me. I'm thankful for my, that, that the churches didn't give up on me. I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. And I'm, mm. I'm thankful that I had, I just had the people to help me work through that yeah. process. Well, I love yeah. you. You're my, I love you. You're my brother. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. <laughs> so I, uh, I want you to, I want you to walk out today, and I want you to figure out what you need to do. If you think I've got to do all four of these today, uh, you're probably gonna fail. 
but do you need to go back and just name what happened? Maybe that's all you need to do. Now, I will recommend to you that talking to someone else who's wiser, has perspective, isn't emotionally tied to the situation that you're causing you the pain can be a huge help. In fact, I highly recommend Christian counseling because you just might need somebody to help you go back and name what happened. Your marriage might be struggling, but that might not be the real issue. It might be this other thing back over here. And if you could heal this other thing back over here and name what really happened, then you might be able to make progress in your marriage. Maybe you need to heal the pain in you and there needs to be some grief and there needs to be some tears and you need to just be able to say, that hurt. Listen, especially guys, if you could walk out of here, name what happened and just say, that hurts, could set you free. Uh, It may be that you need to figure out, okay, God, I got to forgive. I got to figure out what that means. I got to figure out how to do that and I'm going to need your help to forgive. I'm going to have to forgive today and I'm going to forgive again tomorrow and I'm going to forgive again the next day. Until I don't feel it the way I feel it right now. Or it may simply be that you need to go forward and you're like, oh, you say, okay, I'm ready now to take a step forward. And you may not be able to bring reconciliation to the relationships. Beautiful thing the Apostle Paul said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, it might not be possible. And you can't control what the other person does. But you can decide, I'm going to forgive them even if they don't forgive me. That may be what you need to do. So here's what I want to do. Just very simply, I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to to close your eyes, uh, bow your head, just have a personal moment, and and hear what is it that you need to do to find healing for your hurt. We're going to listen for a second as to what God would whisper to us. Lord, I pray for my friends who need to go back. The thought of going back is terrifying. They've shut doors. They've closed windows. They've pulled down blinds. They've put up walls uh, to what happened. And you want to take them back and help them understand the source of their pain. So I pray you give courage to that person today. I pray for the person who uh, maybe for the first time will just admit that they're hurt. They'll just say it. Just own the fact that they're hurt. And they may not know what to do, but they just can own the fact that they're hurt. I pray for them today. I pray for the person who needs to forgive today, who needs to stop drinking the poison and waiting for the other person to die. Who needs to release that person from their hold on them. Who needs to be free. Thank you that you forgive us freely and completely. And so then I pray for my friend who needs to go forward today and they, uh, they need to take some steps to try and reconcile and maybe writing a letter or making a phone call, sending a text. And you want to bring healing. Give them the courage to do something that uh, can be terrifying. And so we do all this aware that because of your life, your death, and your resurrection, that you forgive us when we come to you, that you adopt us into your family when we come to you, You make us your dearly loved sons and daughters, chosen by you, and that we can have that as the solid ground from which to do all of this. So uh, I pray for a wave of healing, Lord. I I pray for a wave of freedom this week. As there's a collective, um, deep sigh of relief 
as we find healing for the hurts that we've been carrying for so long. So I pray this in your name and everybody who wanted healing from the hurt said, amen. I want to invite you to stand with me, leave you with a blessing. When you leave, there are some hearts down here. We were going to get uh, some stickers of hearts. We were going to get anatomically correct heart stickers, but they're really expensive. <laughs> and so we got cheap heart stickers. Here's what I'd like you to do. Would you take that sticker, put it on the back of your phone, because you always have that thing with you. And use that as a, a way to pray this week and go, God, I, I don't quite know how to get to a whole heart, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the step you're asking me to take. And you let begin, God begin the process of healing in your heart. So receive this blessing as you go. May you know that you are loved by a God who chose you when you were a complete mess. <laughs> loved you anyway. Died for you anyway. Gave you new life anyway. You're sent now to love God, love people, and serve the world in his name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them, grab a sticker. See ya.